Welcome to Flipping Real Estate Like the Pros. Here you'll learn everything you need to know to be a successful real estate entrepreneur and achieve the financial freedom you've always wanted. There's no BS, no fluff, there's zero guru talk, just real real estate flipping knowledge. Here's your host, Greg Simpson. Hey, what's up, Alliance? It's Greg here with Flipping Real Estate Like the Pros podcast. And today I have with me Bill Allen. Bill Allen is uh, the founder of Blackjack Real Estate. He is in Nashville, Tennessee, and is in the Pensacola and Chattanooga market. Bill, welcome to the show. Thanks. Thanks for having me, Greg. So, Bill, tell us a little bit about yourself, your backstory, uh, your family life, and, and uh, what you guys like to do for fun. Okay. Um... Well, uh, I was a military guy uh, coming out of college for the last uh, 14 years, uh, active duty Navy. So I've been flying uh, helicopters and airplanes for the Navy for the last uh, 14, 15 years. Um, I just got out of active duty in April of this year in 2017 and went into the reserves to follow this real estate venture full time. Uh, married um, to uh, my wife's name's Lucy. She's from England. I met her when I was over there at school uh, for the Navy. And uh, we have two little kids. We have a three-year-old, uh, almost one-year-old, and we have another baby on the way in March. So oh, wow. um, nice. I moved to Nashville about a year ago from Pensacola to um, our, our second son, uh, James, had a heart, uh, a heart issue when he was, uh, my wife was pregnant with him. So we moved to Vanderbilt, uh, to Nashville to be in Vanderbilt to have some open heart surgeries for him. Oh. After so uh, struggled with that for a while. He's doing really great now. And great. Um, we have another baby coming in March. So fantastic. Spend a lot of time with my kids. Uh, I love to be outside, you know, fishing, scuba diving, uh, running, playing sports, that kind of stuff. But, you know, spend a lot of time on the business now. Fantastic. So Bill was telling me guys a little bit before we got on the podcast here that he's a nomad and he's in Nashville right now. So, uh, but he's looking to move already. So where are you guys looking to go next? Uh, well, I'd love to move, but I don't think <laughs> let me. So, I, you know, I lived in San Diego for four years when I was uh, flying in the fleet for the Navy. And that's a place that I absolutely love. That's what I'm trying to push my wife to. But, you know, Nashville's getting a direct flight to London now. Um, oh, okay. So she really, uh, she likes it here. She wants to stay. Uh, we'll, we'll definitely stay for another year until this baby's born and starts gotcha. going. And um, I'll pick up that conversation with her uh, in another year. But yeah, I, once I'm somewhere for a year or two, I'm pretty much ready to pick up and, and look for somewhere else. <laughs> but we gotcha. do like it here. It's nice. We're, we're on the same side. I hope you guys at least like country music because it's kind of hard to get away from it there. Yeah, I love country music. But Me too. To, I mean, to be honest with you, with little kids like we have, um, we, you know, my wife and I don't really get to go downtown Nashville too much. We're about mm. 20 minutes outside the city. So okay. um, I'd, love to, I'd love to be able to do that. But especially with our little one, James, he needs so much attention with sure. his medications and stuff. We're, we're with him a lot. So Okay. Well, I'm going to go on a little tangent here for a second. Here, guys, uh, I love Nashville. Uh, I was there for, oh gosh, like four or five days last year. What's great, if you don't even like country music, you still should go because there's a lot of other great music there that I didn't realize was there. There's like great jazz and there's great blues and rock music. Ah, just the music scene in general. If you guys like live music, you got to make your way to Nashville at some point in your life. I love it. It's like 24-hour live music. It is. Now. It's amazing. You can find you can find whatever you want. And it's a really cool town. It's really young and it's it's booming right now. Mm -hmm. It's a really cool place to be. Not overly expensive, easy to travel here. I, mm -hmm. I really like it too. So. Yeah, we're uh, we're well. I guess I'll let the cat out of the bag. We're planning on moving to Asheville, which is only a few hour drive away. So Nashville will get plenty of uh, 
plenty of visits from the uh, Simpson family. <laughs> yeah, I spent a lot of time in Asheville too. I, lo- I love it there. It's been- uh, uh, is it the craft beer capital of the world? I think they call it. Yeah. That's, uh, that's right. why I'm moving. No, just kidding. Uh, but seriously. Uh, <laughs> so Bill, tell us a little bit about your niche in real estate. What do you guys do for the most part? Um, yeah, we, we kind of turned, uh, I'd say I'm a marketing company, you know, oh, we, for sure. we just look for, we look for deals. So, um, we, about 20% of what we do, we flip about the other 80%, we will wholesale now. Mm-hmm. And, and that only started about a year and a half ago when I was really struggling with, you know, finding properties and finding deals. Nobody was sure. really supplying me with, with anything. So I just, uh, took to the marketing channel and then we just kind of pull, pull what, you know, we, we find different exit strategies for everything that we have. So once it comes into the funnel, um, what can we do with it? How can we maximize the profit? And mm-hmm. we'll do just about anything. We're starting to owner finance some of the cheaper properties in Pensacola now too. So just kind of continuously looking for that different exit strategy or how we can maximize the profit on each deal. Mm-hmm. So how did you get introduced to real estate investing? Uh, that's a great question. Um, I, I, was in the, I was investing in the stock market my whole life until okay. about probably like five or six years ago. Uh, well, I, I'll, I'll back up a little bit. I, I did, as I was moving with the military, um, I would buy a house and live in it. I had a, I had a commanding officer when I was in uh, college doing the ROTC program that he said, he told me, if you buy a house everywhere you go, you'll never lose money. So hmm. he's, he made a ton of money in real estate. And this was in, this was in like 96, 97. So I, I kind of took that and it was in the back of my mind. So I would start buying houses where I moved and I lost money buying a house in San Diego <laughs> in 2006. So he's well, not right. Everybody did that. <laughs> yeah, I know. But um, so I, I would just kind of move uh, with the military and then rent it out. And I'd, I'd live in the house, fix it up. I was single. I could do my own work. I just spent some time doing that. I got interested in it. And it kind of was always in the back of the mind, my mind as I was investing in the stock, saving up in my IRAs and 401ks and stuff. And then I, I, when I had my son, our three-year-old, and got married, I said, I, I need to look for just a way to spend more time at home because I was working 12 or 14 hours a day with the military a lot of times and I was never home. And it wasn't a big deal when I was single, I was having fun. But once I settled down, got married, had kids, I needed to find a way to have some passive income where I could spend time at home. So we started buying a couple more rentals and then I'd ran, I ran out of money. Uh, then we started flipping a house. I started reading books and educating myself on real estate about five years ago. And it kind of just took off from there. Awesome. All right, Bill. So how long have you been doing real estate investing at full-time? Yeah, my first, uh, well, full-time, I've only been, you know, really running this business in full-time for the last two years. So it was okay. about the beginning of 2016. Uh, before that, I had, you know, five or six rental properties and I was flipping like a house a year on my off time. So I would, you know, go to the house on the way to work, maybe on a lunch break, or if it was bad weather and I wasn't flying, I would uh, pop into the house and, and manage those things, but it wasn't scalable. So I started you know, hiring people and trying to scale out the business about two years ago. It was the beginning of 2016. Okay. So tell us about your first investment deal besides those rentals you were, or those houses you were buying. Tell us about the first deal and how'd you find it and tell us a little bit about the mechanics of that deal. Yeah, the first deal... Um, that, that I flipped was in Maryland. I was at uh, Patuxent River, Maryland in, in Southern Maryland. And I was, I was actually looking for a rental property and I was working with a realtor that I bought another rental property there. Um, and I had some, I had raised some private capital with some friends and family uh, because I was out of cash. And, and I, we found one on an auction website. It was, I think it was HubZoo at the time. Okay. 
um, which I think has changed now. Um, but we, we bought, we were able to go look at it and there was a foot of water in the basement, uh, term, mm. like active termites eating the floor when you walked in the front door. So I, I guess that's why no one was buying it. Probably. And <laughs> uh, we, we bid on it. And, and I remember where I was, I was actually in Nashville at, at a wedding and they said, you got the house. And we said, Oh crap. Then they're done that and felt yeah. that before. I just kind of put the bid in and I didn't, the realtor, and I was working with the realtor at a time and she said, I don't know if they're going to accept this. It's pretty low. And, and they eventually did. So we bought it, we renovated it while I was uh, flying there at Pax River. And when we were getting close to being done and I was planning on it being a rental, the realtor said, I, you know, I think, I think you could do pretty well if you wanted to sell this. The houses are moving in the neighborhood really well. And we looked at it and we decided to put it on the market to sell. And we, we did really well on it. We made uh, 40, around 43 grand, 45,000 on it. Wow. Great. And, and then sold it. And then I was just looking for another one. I only had three more months in Maryland. We were getting ready to move back to Pensacola. I thought I could squeeze another one out. But again, like, like I was talking about before, we just couldn't find another deal in time. You know, we focused all of our efforts on this one that we were renovating and then reselling eventually that it took another six months to find something else. And we were in Pensacola at that time. So um, that was that was kind of my first deal. Um, I hired a contractor. I did a lot of my own work. I spent a lot of time at that house. Uh, it was you know before work and after work. I was spending a ton of time just dealing with all the problems and headaches that came up, and it was it was quite a bit of effort to make that that money. Yes, it is. Um, I talk about a lot of time in the podcast that rehabbing houses is for idiots, and I rehab houses, so I guess I'm an idiot. Uh, <laughs> but it's 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 not as easy, and it's not as all it's cracked up to be that you see on TV. That's for sure. Yeah, and, and the, the numbers are totally different too. So oh, yeah. you know, it, if you look at on paper, it looked like we made sixty or seventy thousand dollars. Not the case. It was a great deal, especially our first deal having oh, success yeah. like that. And I think the fact that we did have some success like that led us into the next one and having some confidence to keep going with that. And I kind of got, you know, I got a little, almost hooked on that and this active income and, um, and working like a, like a flipper. And then I did the other one, same thing. I was going to the property every day and mm -hmm. two times a day on that one. It was even worse, took longer. We made about the same amount of money, but I mean, it was like six months of job for me. Yeah. I already had a full-time job that was pretty bad. So yeah been there done that too still do it every once in a while too it's annoying <laughs> <laughs> so tell us um kind of what was the turning point in your business that that you've had maybe like something that was like the aha moment yeah i think my my biggest aha was just kind of sur surrounding myself with different people and people that were doing a lot more than me i say a lot of i talked when i talked to newer investors i i just I think it's a lot about mindset and, and the people that you talk to and the, the information that you put into your head. And so I, I actually joined a mastermind group and got surrounded by people who, and I didn't know what it was. I never paid for anything before. I bought books and free research online. And I, I was able to scale my business and basically just copy someone else's entire business mm -hmm. plan and model and take everything that I wanted. And just that, that shift in my thinking and mindset is what did it for me. So surrounding myself with people that were doing things that I thought was impossible and then getting to know them and, and realizing that they're just normal people just like me and you. So uh, that, that was the mind shift for me because something had to give. There's no way that I could, when I hear people were doing like a hundred flips a year, I thought either they were lying, they were full of crap. Um, they have millions of dollars themselves, something, so they have something that I don't. 
But when I sat next to them and started getting to know them and, and realizing that, you know, I might have things that they don't have, you know, um, I might have experiences or education or, or uh, resources or something. So that, that was the big aha moment for me is kind of just surrounding myself with the right people and putting the right information in my head and removing that glass ceiling that I thought I could only flip 10 houses a year and, and make $150,000. Mm -hmm. um, these people are, you know, making millions of dollars a year. Why can't I? Absolutely. That's awesome. So do you mind what, what was the name of that mastermind? Yeah, it was, it was called seven figure flipping. So okay. it's a Justin Williams program. I, okay. I was listening to uh, different podcasts at the time and something just stood out. It was brand new. It wasn't proven, you know, nothing had happened. And I think if I applied today, I wouldn't get in <laughs> that. And, and that really is the, I mean, I had only done two flips at that time in my whole, you know, my whole investing career and just being around the ca that caliber of people, you can't really, I, what I found was I was going to RIAs and real estate events and we're all competing for deals in the same market. There's plenty to go around. So I'm all about collaboration, mm -hmm. but the kind of people that are in that group, there's a lot of people that say like, you can't do that, or I can't find anything, or they might just go to the meetings and not actually take action. I wanted to surround myself with people who are taking like massive, massive action and that wanted to make you know, seven figure incomes. And that kind of spoke to me when I heard that, that stuff. So there's, believe me, there's tons of good groups just like that. But, and I, I recommend people find somebody or something to just change your mindset and have positive information come into your head. And when you see success, I mean, you can, you can do the same thing. That's phenomenal. I have a question. Are you, you're an investor fuse client, correct? I am. Yeah. Okay. Are you going to investor fuse and mastermind? I want to, but my, so my son's birthday is on October 21st, ah. my son James, it's his first birthday. So I had signed up and I, so I'm going to be in San Diego the week before, because we have an event in San Diego the week before for that mastermind. Okay. Was, my wife was coming out the next week and I was just going to stay for two weeks instead of one. It was perfect. And then we, we sit down, we plan it out. I bought her ticket, my ticket. <laughs> and she said, you know, James's birthday is on Saturday. And I said, oh crap. <laughs> I, 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 so I, I had to, I had to apologize to the guys. I would, I would have been there. I think that, that kind of stuff is exactly what I want to be putting in, uh, in my mind. And I want to be a part of because well, I'm, I'm sure Dan will have some stuff recorded for you, for everybody. That's a client to kind of recap it for us. Hopefully. I mean, I'll be there. I can't wait to meet up with Dan. Dan's become a, a, a kind of a friend of mine over the last couple of years, helped him with investor fuse a little bit and, uh, love what they're doing over there. Me too. Yeah. I was one of the early clients and I, I will say, you know, I, I had a, I did a, a discussion with them on, uh, on one of their interviews and I, I, I'm, they have been very integral in my success. Um, I, I was coding my own podio stuff in the beginning. I was getting involved in that. I was taking forever. I was writing all this global flow backend code. It wasn't <laughs> working right. And then I was just going, you know what? Like I, I just, I'm done. I, if I keep doing this, I'm not going to be able to scale or grow. And then that's when I, I saw their, their stuff and I was one of the very early users and they, their system has been able to propel me to, this, to where I am now and, and not have to worry about that stuff. Let them worry about it. Fantastic. That. Absolutely. Uh, I was one of his alpha testers of, of Investor Fuse. So I've seen it go from very buggy to, to the powerhouse that it's becoming. So I, I'm very excited to hang out with those guys. Uh, finally get to meet Carlos in person. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm disappointed. In fact, I, I'm going to be there for a couple extra days. So I'm going to reach out to those guys, especially. I think yeah, I'm, I'm actually staying. I'm like getting like a day before and like staying like a day or two afterwards because I want to just keep keep it going.
Yeah, but it's. I think it's going to be a really nice event. I wish it I will be. So you had your turning point in your business. Tell us about a time when you're going through a rough patch in your business or life. And how'd you get out of that rut? Because a lot of our listeners have had that point where, or might be at that point right now where they've, they're at a lull or they've been doing this for six months and they just can't seem to get through it. What, tell us a little bit about that experience for you. Yeah, I've had, I've had a lot of those. Um, I can remember a couple very specific. And, you know, before I joined that mastermind group, I was, after that first flip, I was just struggling to find my next flip in Pensacola. And I, I remember, you know, I, I was, I was sending mailers. I was sending like a thousand mailers a month. I was, uh, I was going to look at wholesalers deals. I was just, uh, sent, you know, driving around, uh, not, I would talk to everybody. I was handing out business cards. I was at the RIA events. I just couldn't find something that I thought worked. And I, I almost quit, almost gave up. And then I just, I saw that my second flip, the way I found it, I was driving home from work. I was in my flight suit, saw a sign that said a uh, state sale. And I said to myself, I, I've heard of people that have bought houses on, from estate sales. So I just pulled in, in my flight suit, walked in. It was the son and the, uh, the wife of the previous owner. They were selling their stuff and moving up to Alabama. And I just talked to the son and said, here's my card. This is what I do. Um, if you guys are interested in talking some more, give me a call. They did. We ended up uh, buying that house and that was our second flip. So, okay. I mean, I was... It was like six months of banging my head against the wall, not getting any deals for marketing. And I just stuck with it. So that's, that's one. And then probably the next biggest one in my business as I was starting to scale is I had spent, I, I set aside six months of marketing budget. It was about $30,000 in Pensacola for, I hired a phone person. Um, mm -hmm. I sent out a ton of mail and nothing was happening. My money was going out for a couple months. And I th said, I'm sending way more mail. We're doing what we should be doing. What's going on here? Why? And I was going on, I was going on the appointments myself and the nights and weekends. I would, I would get up at 5 a.m. and work till 7 and go in to work, fly all day. And then I'd give my son a bath. I'd have dinner with my family and I'd go, I'd go back in my office until about 11 p.m. and, and wow. do it every day like that. And so, I mean, I was really grinding to get this thing off the ground. And I was seeing everyone else have success and I was struggling for the first couple months. And then month three, we got our first deal under contract and we brought, put $10,000 back in the, in the pot. Mm. And to me, that, that was kind of the time where I said, okay, this, this really does work. Some people are very successful in week one or week two and some, it takes three or four or five months. But what I, what I found and what I, I will tell people all the time is that persistent and consistent action. This, this is what builds businesses and makes people successful. And if I had just stopped marketing or paused it or done anything differently, that deal wouldn't have come. So if you're struggling, I say, talk to some people that, are, that can help you, that can give you some positive information and don't surround yourself with the negative people that are telling you to stop and quit. It, it works. The system works. If you implement it and do it right and tweak things as it goes, it works. And, and from there, I, you know, we, we took off. Um, then we did three deals, then we did six the next month. And you know, now we're doing a consistent 20 to 30 deals a month. So it's just kind cool. of setting up that machine, that funnel that comes in and, and not quitting when, the, you know, when you're down. I, I literally almost just spit out my coffee when you said 20 to 30 deals a month. Oh, yeah, yeah. Wow. And that's the, the, between the two markets you're doing that? 
Yep. Yeah. Wow. We'll do pro- close to 200 deals this year. So no shit. from, you know, one deal <laughs> to, um, to then we did 67 last year on my first year is about nine months in 2016. And then this year, uh, I think we're on like deal 140 or 150 right now with a couple months to go. So. Wow. I got people buying, I got a buyer up in Pensacola. So maybe uh, you might even know him. So maybe we'll have to, after the, the, uh, the call or the podcast, we may have to talk about that. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. Pens- um, so Pensacola, I, I struggled to, to move uh, wholesale deals in Pensacola for a while. And I struggled. That was one of my other struggles. And, and I remember last year having that problem and now, um, you know, getting in the market, being kind of the go-to, uh, company, the go-to team, uh, for the deals, we, we don't really have problem with that anymore. And Fantastic. the new market of Chattanooga, you get into that struggle now as you go somewhere else. So um, just kind of building your your kind of client base and the people that you, you network with and surround yourself with. So mm-hmm. um, I know the struggle. It's real. Like It is. When you listen to these podcasts, you might hear people that are doing really well now. I, I still struggle with things all the time. So it's not uh, it's not butterflies and rainbows all the time in this business. No. And that's, that's the, that's the problem with the gurus that are out there is they, they sell you this pipe dream and then they forget to tell you that you're going to have to work your ass off for at least a few months, if not six months before you get your first deal. When we teach our wholesaling class, the first thing we tell them is like the myth about real estate investing. And that is the first one is that this business is easy. The second one is that this business is for everybody because those are the two biggest things that are told by everybody. Oh, anybody can do this business. And Every, you know, it's super easy. You can do this in, you know, five to 10 hours a week. You can do it in your spare time. And I call bull. Uh, and every, per- every person that comes on my podcast says exactly the same thing. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, I think you, I think that's possible. I don't think you'll be very successful. So I, I mean, I was putting in at least 40 to sometimes 80 hours a week in this, in this business and on top of your I, real job, right? Exactly. exactly. I mean, I was working two full-time jobs, which I tell people all the time and it, and I, you know, I didn't pay myself for a year and a half either. So in order right. to grow to this level, um, you know, I've had to put everything back into the company to grow it. And, mm-hmm. um, and that's, that's a big struggle. Fortunately, I did have a full-time job to be able to pay the bills while I did that. So there's, there's a lot of real struggles that we have that are, are constantly overlooked. Um, but there's a lot of positives that come with it too. For sure. So what was the key adjustment you've made in your business that catapulted you like really made you soar in your business? I hired the right person. Okay. When I was in Pensacola struggling and I was do, I did that one deal. That wasn't even me that did that deal. Wow. Okay. So, um, I, I got one myself. It, it actually came in two weeks later, but here, here's the dilemma that I had. I was sending out all this marketing. I had someone, I knew I couldn't answer my phone cause I'm in the airplane all the time. Mm-hmm. And, and frankly, I don't like it. I don't like doing it. Me neither. <laughs> I don't enjoy talking on the phone. Um, Hate it try to send an email or a text or, um, so it, I know that when the phone rings, I kind of don't want to answer it or I, I struggle to call people back. So I really needed someone who likes to talk on the phone and wants to talk to people. And that's, that's, that's what I did. And, and she, she's phenomenal. And then, and then we were setting up appointments and I could only go on appointments in evenings and weekends or when the weather was bad and I wasn't flying, I could kind of skip out for an hour and go see a house, but it, it really limited me to, to what I could go see. So what we were doing is we were only taking what appeared to be the really hot leads and the clients that we think that we can close and we would go on those appointments. So we had, we had this database full of, of people that didn't sound motivated on the phone and we weren't sure when they said what they, what they were asking for their house. It just wasn't a number that we could work with. So we kind of 
put them on the back burner or just forgot about them. So, so then I said, well, I think we're at the point where we have enough appointments that I can bring someone in to actually go on the appointments who, who is, a, can, is a salesperson, can sell, can mm-hmm. negotiate and sell. And when I brought her in, um, and she was actually like the third person that, we, that I kind of uh, made appointments with, took out with me. Um, the first two didn't work out. And she just out of the gate killed it, like three contracts right out of the gate. Bam. What she could do is she was full-time and she could dig into those old leads that sound unmotivated on the phone or cold. But when you get in front of them, the story changes. When you start looking at the house, exactly. you see that they're not telling you everything over the phone or we're not getting all the information. So she just ripped through the database and started dropping contracts like it was no problem for her. Score. So she was really the, and I, I, hopefully she doesn't listen to this, I'll just blow her head up even bigger. <laughs> but um, she was really the catapult that, that kind of gave us that little hockey stick look in, the, in revenue because she, um, mm-hmm. she really brought in a lot of deals for us. And, then, and I, was, I was on the back end dealing with the investors then. Okay. I could focus on you know, analyzing the property. What can we do with it? Are we going to renovate it? Can I call a friend of mine? He might want it. And that's kind of where we kind of took off from there. And I could just delegate a couple tasks and this is the only thing and she does it so well and I can focus on everything else. So that's kind of how I've built out that model. But she was, the two of them are, if I hired anybody different, I don't know where I'd be right now. I mean, they are phenomenal and they're still with me and hopefully they will be forever. That's amazing. Out of curiosity, do you feel like you have more success with a female acquisitions person or, or a male? Well, it's I only have I have one male acquisitions guy in Chattanooga. The rest are female. Um, my two my two down in Pensacola. I think they 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 kill it. They do really really well. And I I'm not really sure. Um, I okay. don't have enough data to answer it. But I, I will say I do like the 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 female going to the house. Sometimes I think even female or male, you might open they might open up and give a little bit more information where they might hold it back a little bit more if it's kind of a male to male conversation. But there's, I mean, there's people in my group that have male acquisitions reps that just crush it. So sure, sure. Um, three of my four, the uh, the gentleman I have up in Chattanooga, he does really well. Um, but the two females that I have down in Pensacola, they they just they do kill it. Um, yep. I do think that what the one thing that I will say is if you flip the question a little bit to a real estate background or no real estate background, I do have data on that, and I really prefer to bring in someone that doesn't have any real estate background and I can, Me I too. can guide them the way that I want them to look at things as opposed to having to untrain and retrain everything they think they already know. That is exactly how we run our real estate brokerage. We, we go after the newbies that have just gotten their license or are thinking of getting their license. We're like, do not go anywhere else because as soon as you go somewhere else, I don't want to work with you because you're trained completely wrong for the investment side of the business. Because Oh my gosh, I can't tell you how many realtors I work with. And it's no offense to realtors because they're just trained a specific way. And it's hard for them to make that mindset shift over to uh, working on the investment side and, and making those quote unquote lowball offers that we see. I have an acquisitions guy right now uh, that's not going to cut it most likely because of the fact that he has been trained by a, one of the big guys and he feels awkward making those those offers to the sellers because he thinks that it is not that we're trying to take advantage of a seller. He's just like, why wouldn't they just sell it with me and list it kind of thing? You know what I'm saying? That, that is the mindset shift that has to be made. I mean, it, it is like 
they, they can't, they just can't take that out of their brain. It, we tell, I mean, we know the first question that I, I used to ask when I go to the, the appointment is why don't you just list this on the MLS? Mm-hmm. And they, and everybody's afraid to talk about that. It's like, mm-hmm. you don't think that they know what real estate agents do or who they are. They've already thought about that. They then convince me why I should buy their house. So, I mean, one <laughs> that's of awesome. The, you know, I want, I want to have that conversation with them. I want to get rid of all of those possible objections. And of course they know they can get more on the MLS. I don't hide that. Look, I run a real estate company. I've got to make some money here. What can we do for you? How can we get you out of the situation? If they want retail and they're going to list it on the MLS or for sale by owner to save commissions, we're not right for them. We know it. They know it. It's okay. We're, we have a very small chunk of the real estate market. Yep. Um, Two, one, two, one, two percent, maybe even in even in some of these smaller markets. So it's about two percent nationwide. Yeah, the majority of people are going to sell on the MLS, and that's okay. And we that's what we tell them: Look, hey, we're not the right fit for you, and uh, no big deal. But if your acquisitions person is constantly trying to convert them into a retail lead, it's not a good fit, and you've got to incentivize them not to do that too. Yep. Oh, we do. It's just it's again, it's just a mindset shift. He's been ingrained with that. And so, unfortunately, we're, we're going to move on. And that's just part of the business. He's going to go, we're going to just turn him back into a, a, a listing agent. Yeah. He's, he's phenomenal at that. He just wanted to learn the investment side. And, and there's, he's a great agent. He really is. He just can't, he has, he's having a really hard time making that mindset shift. So I, on the investment side, want to work with somebody that does not have any experience. My, my two in Pensacola that absolutely kill it. One is a podorthist, which I didn't even know what that was. I have no idea what that is. I thought she, she said podiatrist wrong. <laughs> and and it's, it's like, has to do with uh, like insoles and shoes. And she was selling that before. She didn't, she didn't know anything about real estate. She was renting a, a, like a condo or townhouse or something or, or apartment. And, um, and she, she, she just knew people and knew how to sell and knew how to negotiate. And the other one's a social worker before this, and she's she's absolutely incredible. Used to going into some of the, you know, a uh, little bit worse neighborhoods in the area and talking to people and going in into the house. So I think in-home sales people are very good if you're looking for that kind of stuff, and and just somebody who can negotiate. Uh, both of them negotiated me on their on their pay. Sure, so I knew right away. I said, okay, these guys, these are pretty good. So what's what's the one thing you know now that you wish you knew when you first got started? <laughs> that's a that's a great question. Hmm, man, what's the one thing I know now that I wish I I think when I got started, those two flips that I was doing, uh, now I've 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 propelled my business faster than most and faster than I even expected it. So, I wish that I really wish that I had done that 2 years before, but maybe I needed to learn that stuff. Um, but really like I talked about before, I think not being afraid to pay somebody or find a mentor or, and some, someone is doing way more. Like I pushed that down for a long time. Like there's no way that I'm, I'm going to spend money. And I just read and heard about these gurus that would take your money and, and all this stuff. And the second, I mean, I, the struggle that I had to write that check to go into that mastermind, cause it was not a small check to write sure. and talking, you know, talking to my wife about it, just kind of in my head going, what happens if, if this doesn't work? Um, so I struggled with that and I don't think I was ready two years before, but I wish I had done it a couple years before, because I mean, if, if I was in the right place, then I would be where I am now a couple years ago. And frankly, I wish I, I knew this when I was like 
20, 22 in college, renting out my, sure. uh, <laughs> buying a house, renting out the rooms. Like I, I really wish that I got involved in the real estate business earlier um, than I did because, you know, I, I made some money in the stock market, but not nearly like, like we can do now where you really just know your investment and, and I know what, where my money's going and I have the knowledge there. So I think surrounding myself with the right people earlier and, and I wish I just, I wish I was doing this, you know, 10, 15 years before because I, I would, I would side with you on that, wishing I had gotten into this a long time ago. Yeah. But I, I think it's really important to, to know what you're putting in your head and, and what you're reading and who you're, uh, who you're associating with, because I, I really do believe that kind of Jim Rohn quote of you're the average of the five people you spend most time with. And I really, really focus on, you know, who, who I'm, who I'm around now, where mm -hmm. before, you know, I was, I was single. I was, uh, you know, a young Navy guy. I was just kind of going out, spending money. Not, uh, I was always a saver, but I, I could have put some more effort in that, but I did have fun and, and it was a good life experience. So, um, I'm not really sorry for anything that I've done. I, I really enjoy what I'm doing and who knows where I'll be next year. Looking forward to seeing that. <laughs> <Me too. laughs> so what's the craziest deal you or your team has ever gone through or done? Oh, we've got a lot of those. <laughs> Everybody does. does. <laughs> it's funny because I was just talking to my dispositions guy on Monday and I said, uh, I said, Ryan, we should, and I've been saying this for a while, so we should write a book about all this stuff. The best one that comes to mind is we had a, we had a house in Pensacola where we got the call, we had the appointment set up. And my acquisitions rep had to go to the appointment with a uh, police escort. So there were two sheriffs that went with her. The owner of the house, turns out, was in jail. The mother of the, mother of the guy in jail was living in the house, but she was squatting in the house and not mm. paying rent. And the daughter of the guy in jail, so the granddaughter of the um, owner, or of the person that was renting, now this is even hard to tell, was the one that was negotiating for her dad who was in jail. And okay. she was concerned that the, the grandmother was going to be violent at the appointment. So two sheriffs went on the appointment with her. She was able to walk through the house, take pictures, talk to the, uh, the woman who called us. And then the grandmother got so upset, she threw a punch and punched the daughter or the <sighs> granddaughter at the appointment and got arrested. Oh my God. And so she went to jail. I'm pretty, I think that was the kind of eviction process. Yeah. That, uh, so, I was going to say that would be so an then easy it eviction. Was, then it was pretty much vacant. And um, so we, we actually, we closed on that one, but to close on that one, the um, we needed a power of attorney from the guy in jail and they had one, but it, it didn't have the proper notary and, and two witnesses. So the uh, title company had to go down to the jail uh, notarize the document for us to close on that property. So I've heard um, that before. That, that's that's crazy. That was a pretty good one, I think. <laughs> We've had a lot that were very similar to that. It seems like a lot of the people that we do business with, it's always um, you never know what's going to happen. I mean, I've had one where I was getting the contract signed. I personally at the house because it was a weekend, and my my rep couldn't go, so I went and negotiated the contract and. She was very quick to sign, and right then the, the sheriff knocked on the door and was looking for her boyfriend. So pretty much knew what was going on, and I just said to her, I said, "Look, are you sure that you know?" I had kind of tried to talk her out of it because we were buying it at a big discount, mm -hmm. and she said, "No, I, this is what I want to do. I'm 100 percent sure." So um, I had to fax that contract into a bail bondsman. So mm -hmm. um, there's a lot of stuff like that, and who knows what you're going to get or who's going to be on the appointment. Okay, Bill. Before I get you out of here, just have a couple of quick. Uh, questions here. 
Yeah. You guys said you were doing direct mail, cold calling and stuff in the past. What's your primary marketing strategy or focus that you guys do now? Uh, my my main focus is direct mail marketing. Okay. So um, we mail uh, 100% postcards. Okay. And direct mail brings in the most deals in both of my cities. Okay. Awesome. All right. So you talked about books and obviously surrounding yourself with the, the right people. What's your favorite book and what are you currently reading? Yeah, I really like the book Traction. I okay. think that book, uh, Gino Wickman, yep. uh, that book really kind of uh, is what I have modeled the company around and, and grown it and kind of how I manage it and look at it. And I'm, I'm actually reading the other book that he wrote, Rocket Fuel, right now, uh, him and uh, Mark Winters, I think. And kind of because I'm at the point in the company now where I, I kind of want to take a step back and focus on a couple other ventures that I want to do. Um, and maybe bring in a, a COO. So I, I'm a really good visionary. I'm a fair integrator. So if you ever read this book, Rocket Fuel, that I'm going through now, it's kind of these two different people that run a lot of the big companies. And I come up with ideas all the time and I might implement like one out of 10 of them. So That's my I really, problem. Yep. really want to bring someone in who, um, who can run the company and, and focus on that. So I can focus on um, you know more ideas and growing a little bit more and maybe some other ventures and stuff. So that's what I'm reading right now. I, I do. I like to read books. I read it quite a bit. I think okay. it's really important to continue to educate yourself and, and see what other people are doing. Yeah, I agree. I'm reading uh, a couple of different books. I like to read more than one at a time. I'm reading uh, the motivation or motivation manifesto. And I'm also reading uh, developing the leader within you. And then traction is uh, on the list for the next because you're the third person. I've had three pot or recorded like four or five podcasts the last day or two. And three of you guys have all said traction. And then there's other guests that I've had on before all see, say traction, traction, traction. So maybe I should take their advice and finally get on that book. Yeah, I recommend that. I mean, you can really <laughs> kind of, you know, scale and build a business just around the, the ideas in there. So, yeah. Well, thank you, Bill, for coming on the show today. Do you have any parting shots for the Alliance? Uh, no, I had a great time. I uh, love talking real estate. I can do it all the time. So if anybody <laughs> wants to reach out to me, you're more than welcome to. Awesome. Well, how do our uh, listeners get a hold of you? Um, well, you can uh, you can just shoot me an email if you want. My company is Blackjack Real Estate. Um, BlackjackRE.com is, is the website. Um, you can put uh, a comment in there and it comes straight to me. So Fantastic. Uh, and then if anybody wants to um, look at what we've got in Pensacola and Chattanooga, do you mind if I throw out those sites? Or Yeah, go for it. Okay. Uh, it's uh, PensacolaCashDeals.com and ChattanoogaCashDeals.com. So... If you guys are in those markets or you know looking for, we have great rental properties for out-of-state guys. Um, so it's pretty low numbers on a lot of the houses that we do. I own rentals in both those markets, really good for me. So uh, check good. them out. You can see the investment properties on the site. You don't have to even sign up. You just want to browse what we got. Awesome. Thanks again, Bill, for coming on and taking time out of your schedule. Absolutely. I had a good time. Thanks. Awesome. You've just listened to another flipping real estate like the pros podcast. You're another step closer to fulfilling your dreams as a successful real estate entrepreneur. We'd like to thank you for putting your trust in us to be your guide into this exciting venture called real estate investing. For more information, visit our website at www.flippingrealestatelikethepros.com. Catch you on the flip side, Alliance.